93.5 WNHH. You know, we live streaming across all our social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, and wherever else uh, our fabulous producer, Harry, puts us. Hey, Ed Tankis, head sticks bones. Unmute yourselves. Let's get into a conversation. Sure. So, can you so, hear me so I can hear you. So, Sticks Bones and the Bone Squad is going to show up on the Brantford Green for the Jazz Festival August 3rd. I was listening to your music. We was trying to cue it up this morning so we could play a little bit of it because I'm digging it. I'm digging it. I'm digging it. And uh, I didn't realize it was so smooth. I thought <laughs> it was going to be like hard. Like, I just thought it was going to be some hardcore. I was like, okay, what is this? But then it was like, oh, shoot. Let me. <laughs> a little something and kick back and listen to this how are you i'm good i'm grateful to be here thank you so much for having me uh everything is well thank god i'm so glad hey ed tank it's nice to see you blues blue plate radio entertainment yeah it's nice to see you too babs and uh, thank you for doing this for us we really appreciate it oh it's my pleasure all right so so sticks bones get into it what's what's your big musical influence because i i hear horns in the music you're your drummer, your drummer, sticks, bones, drummer. So talk to me about when did you when did you become a musician? How did you know? So my brother, I grew up in Jamaica, Queens, Jamaica, okay. Queens. A lot of musicians came out of Jamaica, Queens, Run DMC. Mm-hmm. Well, not when they're not out of Jamaica, but out of Queens in general. Uh, you had the rap groups and then you had the R&B groups, Tom Brown. Uh, who yes. did Jamaica. All of that is from out of Jamaica, Queens. So my brother, who's he got like maybe 10 years on me. He had a band, him and his friends, they would be in the house jamming out every night. And, you know, they were doing things to be, to go hit the local scene, you know, opening up for people. And they would connect with some of these guys. Omar Akeem is from the neighborhood and things of that nature. So I grew up watching them, but the people who influenced me were actual DJs, not musicians. Like I didn't know the name of musicians until I got to college. You know what I'm wow. saying? So, yeah, I didn't know who Miles Davis was. I didn't know who, you know, a lot, especially drummers, like drummers. The first drummer I ever came across was Elvin Jones. And that was when my first year of college, when I met all these other kids, everybody I knew were DJs, you know what I'm saying? Coming up in New York City. And they were the ones that were like, my brother always had the radio on. He always had it on his station in New York called WBLS. Yes. So and his DJs would be on WBLS and you would hear all the soul music and things like that. So that's where, you know, the my influence came from was like, wow, who's that on the radio? As opposed to who's that playing that particular instrument. Okay. So did you study formally? Did you go to music school? Did you go to I did. did I do? went to purchase I went to uh Sony Purchase, which is in Purchase, New York, uh as a it's, this is a funny story. Is I mean, it's funny now. It wasn't funny back then. My mom's killed me because uh, I, you know, I've I've always grown up in church. You're around church musicians. Growing up in the house, you see my brother, but I never really learned. You like, yo, these are rudiments. These are your your instruments. Like nobody sat one on one and taught me. And when I wanted to go to school, I wanted to go to school for radio broadcasting. And then that didn't work out. And then I said, well, my brother plays all these drums and I'm pretty good at it. I've been playing at it at church. Let me find a school that plays music. And when I got in there, Babs, I got in there and the dean gave me a chance. When I got to class, because I took percussion, I'm thinking I'm looking for the drum sets that are in the churches. 
they had timpanis and you know all the other stuff that you play and the instructor said how in the world did you get into this program because if i would have auditioned you i would have flunked you like there was no way you would even be in my be in my class so i failed my first semester with all f's wow all f's I, like i said i didn't know nobody so did your mother know. say listen we're gonna have to make some different decisions you know my mother must have been praying because one of the heads of the music department said, listen, we're starting a jazz program and you will be in it. And I said, hey, but I, he's like, that, that, that. you will be in this <laughs> jazz program if you want to stay in this institution. So that right there was like, get your behind. And then the professors were so cool. They had other students m teach me from 6 a.m. until class started at 9 a.m. to oh teach my gosh. me. And I hold, I am now the first African-American to graduate out of the SUNY Purchase Jazz Program. I'm the wow. first, and, and I'm the first one, yeah. That's a good story. Yeah, yeah. And in my senior year, well, graduation day, I performed in front of 3,000 people at the Black Expo on graduation day. So I started out as a failure and I came out on top. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a good, inspiring story. And that's a story that ought to be told to young people, because I think oftentimes people think that the road to success is linear and it's sometimes it's not. It's full of all. I mean, you you had no idea you were going to be a jazz musician. No idea. No idea. So it, it, they had two programs. They had a studio production program, which is what I auditioned for <laughs> because my brother had the equipment. So I said, look, let me just play some chords and play some drums. And I got in. But then when I saw they had a percussion program or orchestra, which I didn't know what it was, that's when everything went downhill. And then by the grace of God, they started a jazz program in the spring and that saved me. And so I became a jazz performance major. And that's so, when I found out about everybody, Miles Davis, Elvin Jones, you know, Philly Joe Jones. Like I didn't know about anybody before that. I, I love it. So, so, so Ed Tankers, when did you come to be a part of the Sticks, Bones and the Bone Squad? Because you, you're their no. manager. Are you their manager? I believe you're their manager. Well, I, I guess I'm the manager slash agent slash, uh, you know, friend slash brother slash, you know, <laughs> you can just dot, 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 I, I think. Um, back back in the day, I think I met Sticks probably almost 15 years ago. Um, he was performing at a place down in Manhattan called the Houndstooth Pub. And I was commuting down there it seemed like almost every week uh, to MC shows down there. And at that time, you know, Six was, uh, if not the house drummer for the bands that were coming in, um, but one of the house drummers. I mean, they had, you know, uh, Brian Simpson coming in, 480 East coming in, uh, Brian Lanier, uh, Matt Marshak, just a whole host of uh, smooth jazz artists that um, Six would uh, sit in, you know, on drums for. And uh, it was a really happening scene. I mean, we'd get, you know, 100, 100 plus people in that place packed and uh, it was really cooking, you know, full pro sound in there. Uh, and it was a great scene. It was wonderful. And Sticks and I just kind of, you know, stuck. And as my radio station grew, Blue Plate Radio at the time, um, Sticks, you know, gave me liners and sweeps and I played his music and, you know, we would chat off and on. And then 
I don't know, one day, what was it, like a year ago, he picked up the phone and said, Ed, we got to do this project together. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how it went, right, Stan? That's how it went. Oh, yeah. Pretty like, simple. And drop I all said, what you're uh, doing. Get back in it. <laughs> yeah. At first, I think I, I think I said, no, no, <laughs> expletive, no way. Um, and then I finally said, um, you know, what the hell? You know, let's let's try to make something happen. And we have. We we have made some some stuff happen, you know, and some good stuff. And Sticks has made some things happen along the way too to kind of fill in some of the gaps. So um, we're kind of excited. The first big thing uh, that we're doing is um, August third on the Brandford Green, which and is I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it because you know yeah. jazz festivals are to me are making a real comeback on, on people's consciousness. People look forward to going. To, to to jazz concerts and so yeah. so when you pulled this band together uh sticks the bone squad tell me about the name and and tell me how do you how do you create a band how do you pull the band together but like, yo son you better be in my band or else man <laughs> <laughs> that's how he approached me guys <laughs> You better be yeah, in the we... squad, Ed, or else. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 I'm in. Like, come on, man. Come on, man. That's, that's, that's the real thing. <laughs> so, so Bone is an acronym, Babs. I started my career actually with poets. And they were like, yo, Sticks, you need to have a first and last name. Kind of like Queen Latifah. Yeah. LL Cool J to be memorable because poets, they had most deaf, Talib Kweli, right? So when it was put to me like, yo, if you really wanna make your name stand out, have a first and last name. And of course, the first name I wanted to identify with the instrument, but then they educated me like, well, there's Sticks Hooper who plays for the Crusaders. Can't just go by Sticks. And there, I grew up with five, uh, friends coming up in Brooklyn and we were all like, you know, beyond our, our wild, like we were ahead of our time where one was good at electrician, like, like fixing things. The other one was good at cutting hair. So he was the barber. The other one was like big and diesel. So he was always into security and I was in music and we can, we, we called ourselves brothers. We operated as brothers. Uh, we were outstanding at what we did. We had, we wanted the, the, persona to be very noble. And on top of all of that, we want it to be excellent. So BONE is actually an acronym for Brothers of Noble Excellence. Oh, I'm digging and that, Sticks. So, and the S is the squad. When I started the band, that was, it was a squad of us in, you know, on stage. So that's how the squad came about. That's how the BONE squad came about. So Sticks Bones was always my name. My other brother's T-Bone. You know, we had Suave Bone. Like we all attached BONE at the end of our names as a last name. And then whatever it is that we did, that became the, the essence of it. So- Oh, I love uh, it. So that's just befriending- story. Thank you. <laughs> so it's not like a duck is like bone and like we're all, no, 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 no. It's simple, you know, it's something sweet and kind about it, <laughs> you know? I, I love it. So um, out of all the music that you could play, Sticks, uh, why smooth jazz? Like, why not R and B or rock and roll or I don't know, whatever? Why, well, first why of all, I, jazz? first of all, I can't sing, so I wasn't doing R and B or gospel. <laughs> if you want to clear the room, put me in front of the mic. They will be like, 
Um, Although so that, that sounds pretty good. I don't know. I think you're selling this, yourself short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you have the the main thing, which was me coming out of jazz performance. I was really good at it. So I don't know who you got. I have to credit this to Ray Chu. Ray Chu is the music director for the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. He just did uh, the Macy's Fourth of July. He's like the head composer. He sat me down because I started out with poetry and hip hop and playing for all the hip hop guys. And he said, listen, man, there's no future for a musician in hip hop. You have to do something else in order to sustain a career as a musician. And why jazz jazz? What happened with jazz was I started hearing smooth jazz and I noticed that they were trying to get funky. They were trying to be hip. They were trying to find the streets. And we're like, you know how you, how you know how you go to a restaurant and be like, that's not the real deal. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I was hearing all this musical food and I'm like, yo, y'all brothers are really trying. You're watering down your saxes. You got so many chops on your piano lines. And then this thing called sampling came into play where the hip hop community started sampling records. They sampled Amal Jamal, they sampled Galt McDermott, they sampled Bob James, and they only took the eight bars that they wanted out of a five, six minute song and made hit records off of these eight bars. I said, this is what I'm gonna introduce to bridge the gap because I know jazz. I started playing hip hop and I know how to just give the snap for what they want. And what I wanted to do was, I didn't really want to go into smooth jazz. What I did was I wouldn't put rappers on my music. I would put musicians on the music. And that's what kind of put me in the jazz category. But of course, Babs, as you know, you got to give the people who are putting it out there what yeah. they can work with. So, you know, I had to make it to where it's friendly at the same time, but I wanted to kind of stay true to where it all originated from and, and what, people were really trying to dig. Mm, mm. So Ed, um, so he's going to be on the green August 3rd. And then, and then um, do, do you like these kinds of venues for this group? Uh, well, this will be the first time they're performing, you know, like I said, at Brand for Jazz. I think it's, it's a good opportunity. Um, I mean, I started Brand for Jazz back in 2009. And it's a great opportunity to showcase a band in front of a public audience and get noticed because um, there's no onus and no pressure to sell tickets. There's no pressure to get, you know, people, you know, in the door, you know? So the the green attracts, you know, anywhere from, from three to 5,000 people, you know, averaging about 4,000 people. And that's 4,000 people that have never seen a band like Sticks, Bones and the Bone Squad and some of the other bands. And it's a way to, to get a foothold and, and get them a following. Uh, and I think it's really helpful to careers, you know, whether it's a brand for jazz or a heart for jazz. Um, and the brand for jazz uh, scene, you know, it's kind of a, I stole the idea, you know, basically from heart for jazz, you know, back in the day, heart for jazz used to have two stages. They had the main stage, which they still have, and the second stage, stage called Friends Friends of the Festival. And that Friends of the Festival stage is back where the vendors are currently in Bushnell Park. And there they had smaller bands, local bands, people that would, they kind of auditioned for the main stage. 
And mm. I can't tell you the number of bands that I saw there that came up. And when they finally abandoned that whole idea, basically because of funding, um, and I had the idea for Brand for Jazz, I kind of took that idea and put it on the green because it was almost the same idea, you know, just a, a green, green area and a stage uh, with performers that needed a spotlight shined on. And uh, it's worked, you know, uh, it's, it's always worked. Mm. So um, again, I, I think, you know, folks like Paula Atherton have been a name there. We've had Kelly Mnuchin special effects there. We've had some pretty big names there. Marion Meadows has performed there. So, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity um, for new and established acts to hit a brand new audience that they may not have uh, hit before. I love it. So, so Sticks, talk to me about the business side, because, I mean, it's one thing to play music, but it's another thing to get paid to play music. So how fast did it take you or how, how quickly did you have to learn how to manage, maintain and pay yourself, your bandmates? And, 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 and is there money out there to, to pay artists, uh, musicians, what they should be paid? So that's, wow, it's a really good question. So the, the, what happened was when I made the decision to stop working for somebody else is when I had to figure out how to maintain a check coming in. So what I mean by working for somebody else is you're that musician that the guys call to hire for their gigs. As Ed mentioned, I used to play for other artists. So whenever they was in town or whatever was happening, yo, Stitch, you're available. We're going to be at such and such place. It pays this much money, you know, and you did the gig. But then there's something that happens that people don't really pay attention to. It's called age, right? <laughs> and the industry wants to keep a certain image. So when you get a certain age, it's like, yeah, he's good, but he doesn't fit the image. So we're going to call somebody that looks the part. So now that phone call, you just lost that call because you're kind of aging out. And it's unfortunate because in our music, we age out of R&B, like a, a hip hop artist is considered old after you're 27 years old. Why wow. is that? Why is that whenever a rock artist at 60 can drop a new album and everybody's excited? You know what I'm saying? Why do we age out our music so quickly? Our artists so quickly, you know what I mean? So I had to make the, make the decision of, well, I need to make this work for me because I love what I do. I don't want to stop. I do have to provide for my family. Then you have to learn how to how to make things happen. And in order for that to make that move, I had a conversation with Quincy Jones and he was like, Sticks, man, you're a bad mother. I was like, shut your mouth, Quincy. So and he <laughs> said, I'm just talking about you on the drums. And I said, I said, Mr. Jones. I have something I have to say. And he was like, what is it? I said, what happened to the mentors? What happened to the Clive Davises and everybody who developed us so that when we came out of our artistry, we became those bosses to keep the generation and go back and hire other people. Cause now we're the ones we're at the age where we're the ones making the call. So to answer your question again, the business I came when I needed, when I aged out of a certain group and then I wanted to continue working. So I had to become my own boss. We are in the do it yourself world. Is there money out there for artists? That is a debatable question. I'm going to say there is money to be made. 
the question is, which route do you take in order to make the money? You can make the money as a wedding band person. You can make the money as a church person. You can make the money as an educator. You can make the money as a successful uh, musician that's constant, consistently on the road. There's ways to make money. Mm -hmm. The question is, what road do you take to get to where you want to go? And some things force you into other things. Some things will force you off the bandstand and put you on the sidelines to make money as a sound engineer, make money as a studio engineer. You're still in music. It's like this. Don't my, my, my brother, he was a football player in high school and he, he got injured and he was like, oh, my God, I'll never play again. I said, don't look at football, look at sports. If you remain in sports, you're still in the industry. Don't look at being as a drummer or a pianist or a jazz musician or a hip hop musician. Look at music. That's how you make money. Don't just box yourself into one category and expect it because everybody now that we know that's making a lot of money is doing multiple things, wearing multiple hats. Usher, the R&B superstar, how is he making money? By being a part owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers basketball team. P. Diddy, how was he making money? Well, he was at this point from a liquor called Chirac, 45 million a year. Now you telling me this guy who's singing, dancing, rapping where these dark shades is not making for is making 45 million a year off of a liquor and not off of his music? Mm. Yes. Multiple things. So so do you have an album out? Do you have an EP? Do you what I mean I have all your I downloaded your music, but I wasn't quite sure. If it was oh, a yeah. collection of everything, and and do you have CDs? Like if I, when I come August third, can I buy a CD? Now, see, Babs, or, or a vinyl. So, Babs, <laughs> I love you. You said, "Can I buy a CD?" Ed, <laughs> I would do. Ed was like, "Make sure you got CDs." I didn't think it was true. I was like, "Nobody buys CDs today." Thank you, Babs, for holding on to your CD player. Do you have a disc man too? Do you do you still carry that around? No. Oh, okay. But you do have. <laughs> I, a I have a, I have a bowl. I have two bowls at the house. Got one in my okay. bedroom, one in my living room. So I, not... I like CDs, and I have a record player. I, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Samara Joy. Right? I yes. love her. I don't know if you know her, yeah, but of I got to spend some time with her last summer on Martha's Vineyard when she performed at the jazz festival. And I I I, uh, I volunteered myself to be her concierge, meaning you know I just took care of her and I sold all her merch, which was hella exciting. <laughs> but I ordered her album. I have to see. I bought the CD when I met her at the blue at the uh, at the uh, um, a jazz club in New York. I saw her play somewhere, and then uh, and then I ordered her her vinyl, which was she had a limited edition of red ones, red albums. So I, I so I love that when I go to concerts, I'd like to get people's music because although we could stream it, there's nothing like having some vinyl. I think and vinyl is making true. a comeback. So I don't know so, how do you how do you handle that kind of merchandise thing? So I'll meet you where you are. Um, thanks to Ed being the most the multi person sticks get you some CDs. You know, so we do have CDs, but I also have flash drives. And on the oh. flash drives, you know, I wanted to get that. And we have exclusive stuff that I, that you can't get on the CD. So I have like performances 
that is embedded on a flash drive along with the music, whether it be a wave or MP3, and then alternate versions where you just get the you know, the horn and the keys for whatever, like a like an unplugged type vibe. You know, so we give you some more. Vinyl was something that we was looking at, but you know, when you're independent, it's a little bit more difficult. Uh, you want to be economically, you know, you want to make it make sense economically. So mm-hmm. uh, vinyl is a is a goal of mine. It's just not there yet. We are working on that. But yes, you can have CD. You can buy, get one for your auntie, for your cousins, for your people down in Georgia. It's all, it's all good. Whatever you need. <laughs> Thank you, Ed. Because I, I know I'm not so old where CDs are not a thing, right? Like... <laughs> I know CDs are a thing, and 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 it's nice to have um, something from the artist when you go to their concerts and buy something. It really is beyond a T-shirt. Like I, I can't have another T-shirt. Although I would wear a Sticks, Bones, and the Bone Squad T-shirt. Oh, uh, I made the list. I made the list. I, and I, you I, hear I, that? I would rock <laughs> out. At first, at first she wasn't she wasn't sure, and then she heard the music, and that's she's like you know I kind of yeah. wear that brand. Yeah, Thanks. I think I yes. think I can I can rock it. I can rock it. There's lots so, of love so, going on. So so sticks, <laughs> tell me what what do you what do you want for for the Bone Squad? What do you want? What is the biggest dream? What is the what is the I don't want to say goal. I like dream because that can mean a lot of different things to people. Well, the dream is actually the goal because what happens is when you dream it, that's your vision, and then you make four paths to make that vision into a goal. Mm-hmm. It's it's so that my team can sustain their livelihood, taking care of their families, just by working and doing music. You know, uh, however that may be. Like our main drive is to do this. As Ed mentioned, you know, you have that opportunity to perform in front of a certain number of people at a certain venue. Like we want to do this not just on August third, but we want to do this throughout the year. Uh, our goal is to hit as many festivals throughout the year as possible um, so that we can, that helps us, you know, and to do us. And before, uh, Ed, back in 2013, the Bone Squad was the house band for a 3,000 seat theater in New York City, where we opened up for Charlie Wilson. We opened up for Shaka Khan. We opened up like we were the house band. So everybody got to see us first. And then they got to see the artists that they paid to see. Um, so in front of large numbers was something that I know that, you know, is important. But the one thing about doing something like that is you have to do it consistently. And that house had us consistently, you know, three and four times a month in front of that number of people. And we saw how good it it was for us. But now it's time to expand out of one venue because, you know, you're sustained there. So everybody's looking for the IHOP pancakes whenever you go to IHOP. But if you got the good food, if you're a good chef, you'll be able to cook good food anywhere. So we that's where the goal is, is to be able to take this, you know, across the country uh, like everybody else and, and share it. Let everybody appreciate it. Introduce it to such your, yourself and uh, not just domestically, but internationally as well. Mm-hmm. So that's so the goal. Talk to me and talk to me about what your job is. What, what is your job? What do you task? What with is you? your job, Ed? <laughs> um it, it's it's multifaceted i guess that's that's the best way to put it um i'm i'm an advisor uh i'm a cohort you know um because you know i i also play bass so you know 
I understand where they're coming from musically, which is different than a standard manager and agent who might just be wearing a suit and tie or whatever. Um, I'm in the weeds. I, I try to help them get, get bookings. Uh, I, I, I have a radio background, so I help sticks um, when I can with either radio promotions or accessing radio or talking about uh, the industry and, and the roadblocks that his band faces. You know, um, the lack of support from major um, uh, artists or up and coming artists or artists who are trying to find a way into, um, you know, the, uh, the main room with everybody else. So I play a lot of different roles and I don't really have a, a particular tag or, you know, title or anything. I'm I'm there to be a lot of different things at, at this stage. And I think that's that's what sticks in the band really needs is somebody who's multifaceted, who could, who could, you know, try and interact in a lot of different ways to help them out. I like it. I like it. I like this music we've been listening. So we're gonna um we got about two minutes. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna um play uh is it fearless? Fearless. Because I, I I dig that one. I just <laughs> It was between Fearless and Love on the Water. I wasn't quite sure which one I like best, but I think Fearless because I, I like that sound a lot. So, so yeah. we're going to play out on that. So but, quickly, all right. talk to me about that. But for, I want to hear from you when you heard Fearless. Tell me when you heard Fearless. I know the title was like, wow, spelled weird. And yeah. what did it, you know, you don't know what to expect. But when you heard it, talk to me about Oh, it's it's I I I like I, it's got a little funk to it, which I which I dig, and uh, I was like, you know, it, it just makes me feel like it's like grown up music, like it's a well thought out kind of music, like it's not. I don't feel like a kid listening to it. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't feel like I'm listening to, you know, little kid music. I feel like I'm listening to grown music mm. that I could listen to over a period of time with a good scotch. You know what I mean? Like I. <laughs> Wow. And it's got and it's got a little jam to it, so I like it. You know, I like that. So, so I, I I'm digging it. I was like, yeah, I would like to have this as a as a as a CD or a vinyl or wh whatever you have that I could have to have this music. I would buy it. That would be good. So, <laughs> okay. Just saying. Just saying. Us old okay. old heads like a little music. We like our new music. We like our music to go. <laughs> Well, I think what it is, is I added the elements of a certain era where if you listen to Apache by the incredible Bongo Bay, um, where they had the, just a little beat, or there was a song called Let's Dance to the Drummer's Beat. See, yeah. back in those days, they would drop everything out, just let something ride. Forever and ever. You know what I'm saying? And that's where I wanted to bring that to this. I wanted to bridge that because I know how impactful it was. My brother, like I said, he's a little bit older than me. They called it elbow music. As soon as they heard it, they was doing their thing on a, in a club. You know, and I was like, that's my song. Get out of my way. You know, so I, I'm assuming that when you heard this and you heard this sound, you was like, oh, that's my get out of my way. Well, that's what I mean. I, I, yeah. I was just like, it was it was now, I don't want to say familiar, but it was familiar. It 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 put me back into a place when I, I grew up at a time and I'm probably closer to your brother's age um, where bands was a big deal when I was a kid. Like everybody had a band, battle of the bands, bands in the park, bands everywhere. Mm. Everybody had a band. So I grew up loving 
live music like that and bands and and the finesse of a drummer and a horn section and all of that. So I I I tend to gravitate toward that more than synthetic kind of music. Wow. Not knocking synthetic music or how people make music, but I tend to like a band, you know, an honest to God band with all the the instruments, you know, horns, wow. piano or keyboard, you know, I like percussion, all of it, you know. So well, that's yeah. good to know, Babs, because it lets me know that I wasn't, as I was creating this sound, I knew it was for somebody, and now I know who it was for. It was for me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now I know who it's for. And that generation. It. it was for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you hear this, right? <laughs> Audience of one. It's <laughs> audience of one. I like it. And you know, listen, you know, Ed knows there's a lot of festivals in, in Connecticut. So I don't I don't know if you still are based in New York, but Connecticut has a lot of festivals and a lot of cool festivals. And we have a strong jazz scene in New Haven. So you know, you I, I find it find it find yourself here some night and place bring your band and play some music somewhere. Some Yo, music. I mean, you, I'm gonna tell you this. It's not about the music, it's about the politics on like Ed mentioned your numbers, your followers today, and everybody's in this big buck and, you know, want to be famous. And, you know, there's one thing you got to understand, and I'm, I'm going to explain this to jazz artists, right? Whoever sees this interview, don't think that you're going to be known for your music. You're going to be known in jazz for your name. What am I talking about? Let's use George Benson. How many George Benson records can you name? And oh, this can, man has multiple albums. I can, I can name a bunch. <laughs> but when you see his name, you know what he does. Yeah. Now let's take that to R&B. Name me, or you can name multiple songs by Marvin, by Stevie Wonder, or multiple songs by Michael Jackson, which is different than multiple songs by Norman Brown. Oh! Know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're going to be known for what you do in jazz, not for your songs. And the politics is, I'm, I hope the promoters invented like, yo, let us build our name. The way we build our name is by being in front of people, as Babs just mentioned. So let us build our name. Give us the platform that we can build our name. The music is there. They're going to know what it is because of your venue. Let us build our names. Like that. Well, I'm looking forward to you August 3rd on the Branford Green. What time, Ed? What time does it kick off? 6.30. 6.30 on the Branford Green. Yep. And there's parking, free parking. Free, free parking. There's a map on the BranfordJazz.com website. Shows you where you can park. Um, you know, you can bring your, your chairs. You can bring your coolers. Um, you can bring beverages of most of all types uh it's a very cool and chill vibe down there it's a community event people are just you know nice and courteous and polite and warm and friendly and we all have a good time there's space if you want to get up and dance you can dance um it's just a, a wonderful environment for everybody there's lots of kids that show up uh, as well with their families. So it's it's a great community event. All right. 
Okay. It was a pleasure talking to you, Sticks Bones. It's good to see you, Ed Tank. Kiss. It's good to see you. I'll see you around. I know you're still doing shows at Harvest. I'll pop in sometime. And uh, it's good. So, uh, Harry, play us out. See, I like that. (laughs) 